Hello and welcome to Pete's Percussion Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Zambito, and we're here with episode 282, a part one of my conversation with University of Utah Director of Percussion Studies, Mike Sammons. Well, it's been a busy time here at the University of Missouri. We just hosted our annual All Juniors Honor Band here, which went quite well. The students played well, and the event was well run by my band colleague, Dr. Christian Noon. Additionally, we also had our first ever Missouri Jazz Fest, hosted by one of my other colleagues, Dr. Sam Griffith, who I co-teach jazz, pop, and rock with, and that event also went very well. And there's more to come in the future, all while we have to dodge yet another possible snowstorm and whatever. We just had 70-degree weather two days ago, and poof, it's gone. Just gone. All right, that's enough of what's going on here, so let's get to my conversation with Mike Sammons. Well, Mike and I had not previously met before, he came highly recommended to me through many previous guests, particularly University of Clemson percussion professor Paul Beyer, who I had on the show in 2019. A link to that episode will be in the show notes. The connection between the two started at the University of Arizona, and you will hear about that. What's great, though, is that Mike and I established a pretty good rapport right from the start, and he even asked me some questions to get things started, which you'll hear right from the jump. Mike's been teaching at Utah for a bunch of years now, but has also worked at Clemson and South Alabama. He's been involved in so many genres of percussion, along with many organizations and performance opportunities. As you'll also hear, teaching music is the family business for Mike Sammons, and you'll get a sense of how that has impacted his life going forward. There's a lot to take in here for this interview, particularly regarding teaching philosophies, building great humans, a good attitude, and many other items. And as is sometimes the case on the show, we went pretty long. So for today's interview, you'll hear Mike talk about his job at Utah, his gigging experiences, teaching in South Alabama, growing up in Vero Beach, Florida, and his time as an undergrad at the University of Florida. And then on part two next week, you'll hear the rest. So here we go. We recorded this interview over Zoom on February 4th, 2022, and it begins right now. I did some homework, and man, you've... you've why, why did you ask me? <laughs> That's my first question. <laughs> I feel like I get that a lot. I don't know why. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm like, I like, it's like, it's everyone has every, I like hearing about everyone's story. I don't, know, don't compare yourself. <laughs> but, so. I, but I was thinking, I was, I, I was trying to remember, I wish I could remember who, because I've had a number of people suggest you. Really? Yeah. Well, they must be, I, I pay, I pay well, you know, what? <laughs> I'm going to keep my bar tab open at pacing, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's timely. You, you get paid on time. Like, you, yes. know, you know, it's coming. Text don't Direct deposit. It just shows up. I <laughs> know <laughs> it's just so much easier these days. <laughs> oh man. That's funny, dude. Question for you. I'm sorry. I don't mean to turn this around. Sorry. But, uh, I mean, what have you learned uh, 
you know, what have you, in, in talking to all these people, you know, what, what are some takeaways? Probably a lot of takeaways, but if you had to. Oh, I, there's a ton. A lot of times it's not the, it's not really the specifics. I mean, I, I think that's, that's important, but you know, I, I actually think of it sometimes throughout what other people have told me, which is a lot of times, you know, if they see someone that, if if I've interviewed someone that they admire and they hear about their story and then they go, wait, but I'm, uh, they realize that they are, there might be on that path. You know, they, they just might not realize that, that they're, they're either in that direction or they now understand how someone made something work very infrequently that someone's path is, is pretty direct. A lot of times there are these, these, these ways it could have gone if they had decided a lot of times it's frequently like if they have decided to go into band directing, you know, at the end of their music ed degree. And they just were like, you know what? I still like playing. And then, and then it veers back and now they're a really well-known percussionist or something like that. So I just, it's always that the paths are just, I, I find it really interesting. I mean, and inspiring too, a lot of times. Yeah. Among many other things. <laughs> yeah, no, no, but that that's a really, we've all been guilty of that of, looking at somebody you really admire and go, man, I'll never, I'll never be that. And if you only knew that their, their struggles were the same, or maybe, you know, I think that's so powerful. And we, you know, everybody puts their pants on at the, you know, one leg at a time. It really is, is what it comes down to. Um, So, yeah, no, that's, that's incredibly powerful. And I think for, um, you know, students sometimes, um, you know, your younger, I, I, I try to refer to them as younger colleagues, sure. uh, but your, your younger <laughs> colleagues that are around you all the time, you know, sometimes, you know, it's important for them to, for me at least, to let them see, you know, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm having to work it out too. <laughs> you know, I'm having to move my gear. I'm having to slip my gear. I'm having to, you know, pra- I probably practice up here a lot because I want them to know that I'm practicing. I'm not just, right. I don't just walk in and like, oh, okay, this is, you know, this has just happened for some reason. It's like, I, I, I pick their brain all the times about, you know, problems in the studio, you know, not problems, but challenges, yeah. you know, or, or growth. You're trying to grow this or ideas that because, you know, you don't want them to have that feeling of separation in a, in their own life, in their own, for their own goals and things like that. So yeah, no, that's really, really, really cool. Mike, give me a summation of your percussion responsibilities as they are right now. I'm really lucky. I mean, lucky, blessed, grateful, whatever, you know, you want to, the word you want to use, you know, to be, to be doing what I'm doing. I get it. I get, I'm, I'm living my dream, you know, no kidding. Uh, I know people sometimes, you know, say that in in jest or, you know, but really, no, I truly, truly believe that. I love working with young people. I love playing. I love a lot of different kinds of music. And so, you know, what I get to do here at the university, obviously I'm the director of percussion, the percussion area faculty head, which means I teach a lot of the lessons that you might imagine and uh, percussion ensemble. Um, I I do a percussion pet pet class. Um, I oversee the percussion methods course, the the course for for music educators, Um, oversee the drumline a little bit, although I do have a staff and and TAs and, and some other former students that do a lot of that the heavy lifting um, on that, but I, I am connected to that, which I think is, is important actually pedagogically. We could, we could dive into that if you really wanted to, but on, on the outside, um, you know, I do a lot of playing in the, in the, uh, in the, in the city abroad, 
if I could recount my last couple of months, I was in Mean Girls. I did a run of Mean Girls at Echoes Theater. Um, the symphony has been everything from Home Alone to Prokofiev. Um, over the years, I've played a lot of, I've played some timpani, I've played some percussion, done some recording. A um, couple of, it was 2021, I think, uh, a rap a rap album came out. I did a rap album for Warner Chapel Music, which is cool. I did all the uh, kind of rudimental percussion writing and, and recording. Uh, did some, I've done some work with ESPN. I've done some work with Funk Studios on some TNT, some TV TV stuff. Uh, I've done some work with the NBA. Uh, we have the Utah Jazz in town. So I ran, we did a Street Beats drumline with them. I was part of that creative process, uh, which is kind of neat. So, I mean, you know, you run the gamut. Um, it's all good. I just got actually got thrown into an opera, a uh, new opera called Flight. Uh, the, the principal timpanist got uh, got sick last minute and I had to run in. I actually had to sight read the rehearsal. You know, the opera is three hours long and rehearsal was three hours long. So it really wasn't rehearsal. You know, it's like, here we go. And 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 uh, it, it was sort of like playing the glass timpani concerto, although I would say the glass concerto is a lot more straightforward. And this thing was was a beast. So, you know, I, I get into a lot of different different things. Um the ballet, the, the ballet company. I've uh, got uh, Carmina come in in a couple couple months. Uh, I've done Ride of Spring down there several times, both Tiffany and bass drum. I mean, you know, it, it's the freelance career. I mean, you kind of you kind of come, you know, you kind of take what comes at you. And I've been really fortunate to to kind of build those relationships over time. Um, between the theater, the theater work, I've done Aladdin. I was on tour with Aladdin for a month. Danny Taylor, great percussionist, you know, uh, needed some vacation time. And, and I was subbing for him down at Salt Lake city. Uh, he was the assistant conductor for the show. So when he would conduct, you know, I would come in and, and play the show for him and, uh, ended up, ended up doing the Florida run, which is where I'm from originally. It was great. I hadn't been home for Christmas in like, you know, 20 years. And so I did the Florida run, which is in Tampa. And then I, you know, hit over my, you know, hit, went, went over to Vera beach where, where I'm from and hit my folks up and it was great. And, and so, you know, you just, you kind of end up doing a lot of that stuff and, and I love it all. Um, you know, somebody asked me, uh, <laughs> my wife, Janelle is not a musician. Um, and thank goodness in, in some ways. And, uh, <laughs> but she is a professional party planner, which is great. So we, she understands, you know, the schedule, she understands, she has a great eye for excellence, which I find, you know, fascinating. And she'll, she's always tinkering and decorating and making sure that she has a sense of pacing and almost like a concert or an event or um, all of these things. And, um, and so anyway, her friends are not musicians and they'll always say, what kind of music do you like? I always say, uh, and partly just because I don't want to get into this conversation with them, I'll say, I don't listen to music. <laughs> How, you're a professional you don't listen to music. I'm like, yeah, I don't, that's work, man. That's a job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When I go home, I, you know, I want to do something else or, or, or I'm in the car. I want to listen to something else or whatever it is. And that's not really true, you wow. know, but, but uh, uh, don't tell on me. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like, I, you know, great music is great music. You know, there's nothing like playing in a great big band jazz band. There's nothing like playing uh, with a great orchestra and, you know, with, with it was some great, a great program. I love the film stuff. It's really cool. Symphonies are starting to do that a lot more. And that's, that's kind of neat. You feel part of the action, it's sort of like the opera or, or the, uh, you know, we're talking about some of the, the theater work, you know, you feel like you're the action, like Aladdin, you know, when you, when you, 
played adultery, like that's the genie. I mean, you are the genie. And, and there's a lot of pressure to that, of course, if you miss. Um, but, uh, you know, but sometimes the genie comes out slowly. Sometimes the genie comes out quickly. Uh, it depends on who the genie is that night, you know, what the pacing is going to be. So, you know, you, you think about all those, those things. And I think it's kind of cool. And, you know, I try to take that into my other work too. And, you know, if you're playing, um, uh, we're, we're playing a lot of Ravel this week. So I'm thinking of, you know, Debussy La Mer here and you're playing all the bass drum roles. Like, okay, you're not really playing bass drum. You're the ocean, you know, can you, can you get that imagery going? And, you know, can you, can you bring that to, to, you know, your, your call it mentoring or teaching. I try to stay away from that word, word teaching, but if, can you bring that to your coaching or your mentoring where you're playing, you know, Sarone five or Peter six and, you know, can you kind of bring that, to, to into that world too and 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 um, get really creative and artistic with with things that maybe you know are, are not obviously the genie um but uh so yeah I, I get into a lot of different stuff and um sometimes it's connection sometimes it's just it kind of falls into your lap and sometimes it's a it's something that you've developed over a long period of time and I have great colleagues in the city you know at the symphony and and over the years I've kind of worked my way up and and um, uh, Keith Carrick actually is the principal percussionist downtown. He teaches here adjunct as well. Uh, Danny Soulier is the principal tippinist at uh, Orchard Temple Square downtown. Great, great player, great, te- you know, great teacher. He also teaches adjunct here. So, you know, we just have this great synergy of being great colleagues, both in our building, out of our building, uh, ancillary projects. And I, I think, you know, uh, and I would be remiss if I didn't, uh, mentioned my other colleagues, Kelly Wallace on drum set. And, and we actually just brought, uh, started a new kind of global music ensemble. And it's a very heavily Brazilian right now because that's, those are the instruments we primarily own. And Mason um, from Samba Fogo, you know, just incredible group in town. It's a community group, but it, it is not a community group. I mean, they're, they, it just happens to be in Salt Lake, you know, you know, he's coming on to teach that. So, you know, we just, we just all have a great community here and I get to the best part for me is I get to learn from like, we're talking about your podcast, you know, I'm always picking their brains and it's this great synergy of, of experiences. And so, yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's what you're looking for, but (laughs) it's a good start. That's that's the gamut, you know, that's the view from space sort of. uh, So that's great. So let's start here. Tell me about getting the job at, Utah and where you were before and the status of the program when you entered, et cetera. Uh, my first job, right. I was finishing my DMA at university, of Arizona was uh, Clemson university. And I was a sabbatical replacement for Paul Byer. I think, you know, Paul. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, and, and Paul and I, he's been just such an influence on me. That was back in 2000. I'm going to date myself here. That was somewhere like 2008, 2007, 2008, just a great experience. And, and Paul was so just genuine with the sabbatical replacement. He was like, Hey, it it was a mutual thing. You know, he says, Hey, this is, you know, obviously he's still coming back. It's not my program. He's sort of the substitute teacher, but he gave me a lot of room within that to bring some new ideas. Cause so he saw it as a growth mindset for everybody. And that was when he did his first book. Um, He took the sabbatical to do his, his first book. And now he's done like, you know, a bunch of other things and it's just, he's just gone on from there. So that was my first real job. Uh, I was finishing my doctorate. Then I got the job at South Alabama, a really interesting time there. Uh, They were starting football. They were starting marching band from zeros, all of that. 
And um, the, the percussion department was pretty small. Um, I think there was two or three when I got there. Um, after four years, there was four, 14, 15, 16. We were playing at the Alabama Day of Percussion, um, starting to play some really high level repertoire. Some talent was coming in. Um, start founded the, the, the steel band, which was fantastic, premiered the steel band, and I actually founded the World Percussion Group too, and, and premiered that. So there was probably, I don't know, 40, 50, 60 people participating in the percussion area in one of those avenues um, within four years. It was really a rocket ship. It really took off. And I credit, I credit the administration there. I mean, they were super supportive. My colleagues were super supportive there. Some of them are still there doing great work. And um, it was a great time uh, to, to, to be there. And the students at the time, they're still real tight. You know, I still get messages and, and boy, they bought in and worked really hard for, for each other, for me, for, the, for themselves, for the program, just incredible synergy there. And it's amazing how tight that group is. I still get messages from them, you know, sometimes and they'll re remember the old days and I'll get tagged in something, you know, some old picture will come up and, and all that. And I was still finishing my doctor at the time. So it was an incredible amount of, of work. And then it was hard to leave, but, you know, the opportunity is here in Salt Lake City, uh, I felt, you know, it was the access to some of the freelance music, musicians, you know, music scene, the recording scene, the, the theaters, you know, there's Echoes, there's Capitol, there's Kingsbury, there's Pioneer, there's, I mean, there, there's a lot of just, you know, a bigger situation in terms of, you know, the ability to, to play and gig and and those things and the the program here, you know, Doug Wolf is a great friend and colleague and he, you know, obviously the in the history of the program, uh, if you go back, you know, Doug was one of the first uh, percussion ensembles to play at Midwest. I think he was the first. Uh, the group has been to PASIC uh, in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, Doug is in you know, I grew up on Doug's recordings, the University of Utah recordings, and, and he commissioned some of our most important works. Uh, Stained Glass comes to mind. There's a couple other, you know, kind of part of that percussion history. I think, you know, kind of Oklahoma, Bob, Bob Honer, that kind of um, period of our evolution. And Doug played a very strong role in that uh, commissioning. He, I, have, I have a manuscript of David Mislanka's Crown of Thorns with a note to Doug you know, that, that kind of thing. And, and so I've tried to keep that, that history and, um, you know, Doug, Doug kind of, I won't say moved on, but also had a really wonderful career at the, at the symphony was, was first call for very, a very long time with Keith Lockhart and, and all of that. So, um, you know, the, the program here was, uh, was, had a strong history and, uh, we've just been kind of working to, you know, to, to, to get back to it. Um, with, with some, with a new time, with some new resources and an influctuation. I think the, the university moving to the PAC 12, I think injected a lot of energy and resources and, and, and create maybe some new thinking and creativity and logistics and all of that, you know, very institutions, very seldom get a, to, a, a chance to, to have a, re, a makeover, you know, or like remodel the house, the house. And so I felt like I came in at a time that that was happening. And, and there's this, this beautiful synergy between the, you know, the past and the present and, and hopefully the future and Doug and, and, and all of that too. So, you know, we, we speak often, he still comes around, you know, it's a great relationship. The students know him. I mean, it just couldn't ask for, a, a, I, and I think he would say the same thing. In fact, I know, I know he would. So that's why I don't mind talking about it. It's like the, the synergy there is, is such so good and the, the relationship are so strong. So 
yeah, really fortunate. So that's kind of where we're at now. Um, what have we been doing lately? Um, Percussion Studio, I, I, you know, some of my colleagues would say 2020 was really rough. I think it was, but in some ways we did some of our best work. Challenged the studio to, to, to respond creatively and artistically and, and uh, we created some really cool videos. Like a lot of us, we couldn't have live performance. So we did with the video route and, you know, some of the students were, 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 uh, you know, say, hey, I've got a friend in film and we, they have a drone. Can we go downtown and film this thing on top of the building? I'm like, yeah, go, you know, hey, I've got this, you know, it was a series of, hey, hey, can we do this? Like, yeah, do it. And, and so, you know, I think that was really valuable. Fall 2020 took a group to the chamber competition at PASIC, did really well. I think they, it was sixth or seventh. And the cool thing about that, we took one of our own, uh, uh, own students compositions Chris Bradford and it actually got published and he's he's kind of gone on to starting that was kind of a launch point for for him and his career um, I think he's got a couple commissions um, been published on tap space C. Allen and um, and then this last fall we went it took two groups was was amazing um, it can it can be hard to get to PASIC from Utah so sometimes it's it, it, it can be a challenge we had we had uh, two groups go and uh, the, the the second group took, I think, sixth or seventh in there, and the, and the top group took uh, second. So Gene's Consistence group won, and they were fantastic and and all that. So it was it was a good room and a good time. So that's kind of our been our trajectory, and and not that you judge your success on how good the ensemble does. I don't I, I don't judge it that way. I judge it on how how what our students are going on to do. But when you can marry that, like Chris Bradford and he's writing a piece and all of a sudden that leaps him to a publication or a commission or anything like that. I think that's, um, I think as mentors, that's what you, that's the ultimate win, right. For everybody. Uh, when you can, when you can do that. I'm going a little bit out of order here, but, but at South Alabama, you could have, if you, if like the Utah position or other positions didn't necessarily show up, was it kind of like a, well, I could, I'm pretty like, this would be fine. Or were you like, no, you know, no. It comes up. I'm kind of like I can pivot. It it really came out of I won't say out of nowhere, but I mean I, I certainly I always say I didn't leave South Alabama. Uh, if that makes sense. Yeah. I took something else, but I, I didn't leave. And the and the list of things that I would have left for was really, you know, it shortens. Obviously, when you're young, you're like, yes, I'll take you know, I'll go anywhere, do anything, but uh, you know that their criteria starts to, that list starts to get a little bit narrow. So yep, that's what it was. Gotcha. No, I, but, I like that. But I will say this, I, in many ways, I saw the time I was at South, South Alabama, I saw that being replicated here. So there was a, I was thinking, oh, wow, okay. They're doing the same thing right now. It's a good time to be there, get on the train, um, so to speak. So, yeah. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about the the facilities that you're working with at Utah, what you all have to. They're good. Um, you know, as percussionists, we're, we never have enough room. We never have enough uh, instruments. We never have enough gear. We never have enough room, you know, all the all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's, it's very good. We have a beautiful hall. It's not always uh large percussion ensemble friendly so yeah. when you do that stuff you have to you know we, we've learned over the years the tricks of the trade uh, but uh you know i'd say that probably the best thing about our facilities we have about uh let's see libby four or five spaces that are on 24-hour record so you can get in there and I've, I've had students you know 
take a practice session to run, you know, it's like, wow, that was it. It's great quality too. It's not, it's not, it's, it's very high end. So that's a, a huge advantage to us. I, I think a lot of times I'll just say, you know, like Jordan's getting ready for a bunch of grad auditions and he's pulling this stuff right from the hall, you know, which is, which is fantastic. It's a little easier on him too, but, but yeah, I think that's a huge advantage. We use that for rehearsals and things like that too. Um, that, that'd probably be the best, the highlight of the facilities right there, I think. So, so it's both audio and video are set up all the time. Um, not, not video, okay. but, but the audio for sure. The, the hall is set up for live stream, like mini halls now and things like yeah. that. So. No, that's great. That's easy. I mean, I mean, it just means like you can just roll in and yes, hit a few buttons and you go, I guess. Right. I mean, you had to hit a few buttons. It's on 24 hour record. So anything that happens in there gets recorded. Oh, so I always tell people, watch what you say, because yes. every <laughs> night I go home and I go through all the recording. No, <laughs> right. I mostly say that for myself. <laughs> watch what you, <laughs> you speak to your parents like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so. When you get to Salt Lake, what are the what are the ways in? Or what, what's kind of the path to you getting started with in the community with all the freelance stuff? That, that Well, I'll tell you this. Um, I'll tell you my story. And this is probably maybe not the, the usual way, but um, I got a call about 7 a.m. and said, hey, can you be, you know, the somebody was doing an educational outreach. And I got called, uh, I guess, Doug or somebody, you know, gave them my name and they they knew I was new in town and, and uh so that would, I show up at the, at the gig, like, okay, here we are. What are we playing? No, we're playing this, 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 and this, and this. And it's ed, one of those ed concerts. And you think those are pretty innocent, but actually for the percussion section, those are the hardest gigs, you yeah. know? I mean, and, and oftentimes you're playing a lot of music. And I think that first gig was like Rite of Spring, Firebird, you know, a lot of popular music that, you know, the, the high school, middle school students would know. And there's a lot of heavy lifting in there for the percussion. And I think Keith, I think George was out on timpani and Keith had to run over and sight read the timpani book. And I was sight reading Keith, but I mean, it was like musical chairs, you know? And, um, you know, if you do well in that gig, then guess what happens? You know, you get, you get called and then they get to know you're playing. And, you know, often, oftentimes, you know, you play for, you know, when you're new in town, it's good to go play for somebody or go take a lesson or go, you know, just be seen. Um, and uh, I think, you know, just making those connections, doing a good job when opportunity meets, you know, and, um, and there you go. I mean, that, that was the jump, the ignition point. And then over the years, you know, people have retired or moved on and, you know, you kind of work your, your way up. And, um, and like I said, I led with the fact that I'm so lucky and I, I try to be grateful every day that, you know, I get to, to do all, put all that together. I, I get to do all the things I love together. I love working with young people. I love, you know, conducting, I love, you know, all the different music. So being here at the university is a, is a great place, you know, for me to put all of that together. So how does getting involved with a group with like, let's say the Utah jazz, how does that happen? I have no idea. <laughs> I, I wish I knew. Um, yeah, they called me. So I, I guess you get a reputation or they wanted to do this and they ask around and, you know, somebody says, oh, well, Mike does that or so-and-so does that. And, oh, you should talk to so-and-so. And, you know, maybe 15 people turned it down and I was the 16th person. I mean, who, right. I mean, who knows? 
as you're describing kind of the area and I don't know, I've never been to Utah and I don't know kind of the, the layout, but is it, is it kind of like there's a city center and then there's nothing and then there's another city somewhere else and there's nothing. So is that, is that how it, how, how it works in the state or, or are cities actually like relatively close to each other? The, the Valley is like one big city. Okay. You know, I mean, you, you cross, you cross the street and you're in Murray, you cross the street, you're in, I like, I live in Sandy. I don't, I wouldn't say I live in Sandy. I would say I live in the greater Salt Lake, you know, yeah. there is definitely a downtown um, for sure. And the university sits just uh, east of that, which is great. So I'm, I'm 10 minutes from the hall. I'm 10 minutes from, from the kind of the theater district, if you want to refer to it as, as that. Um, and so that's nice, but yeah, it's, 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 it's sort of one big suburb runs together, um, out in the West. I mean, I don't know if you've been out in the West, but you know, things are farther apart. So, you know, you would say the next big, big city from us would be East would be Denver. And that's an eight hour drive East to the Rocky mountains. And then, you know, eight hours West is Reno, um, Nevada, and then uh, San Francisco is another, you know, uh, however many hours from that Vegas is a six hour drive South. So, uh, but the great thing about Salt Lake and that's why people, you know, tend to fly in here. It's a major Delta hub is because you're close to Yellowstone. You're, you're kind of close to everything. You're not, you're a three hour drive, maybe four hour drive from Yellowstone. If you want to be in four corners, Bryce Canyon, you know, Monument Valley, all that stuff, you're, you know, it's a three hour drive South. Uh, so there's a lot, you are kind of close to, a lot of things you're not far from a flight you know vegas is a 45 minute flight it's like they don't even give you service you know right. it's up and down <laughs> so there's actually because it's a it's a greater region i guess does that mean that there's like lot there's actually more maybe from an outsider's perspective there's more that's available as a um like as a freelancer than may have you may have like thought about originally maybe yeah, yeah. You know, and, and there's also a lot of people here too. So yeah. maybe grad students ask me this too, like how hard is it to get in? It's like, well, I mean, you're not going to come in in day one and, you know, you're yeah. just not. I mean, there, there, there are people here. There are, you know, kind of uh, people have their people and, it, you know, there is a community that is established, you know, for, for, for sure. But there is opportunity. And, you know, I have, I have students that pick up a lot of work uh, also on the high school side of it too, because the population is growing. In, at, a, at a pretty incredible rate. Um, quite frankly, there's a lot of people moving here. Um, and so I think there's been a new high school like every year almost. Wow. And the great thing about that, I've seen a shift pedagogically. It, it, they've they've all mostly, um, say mostly, you never say all or never, but they've mostly have come with percussion specialists. So th- that has been a, a big uptick in opportunity and in, in putting that together and 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 not just, and not that you have to be a full-time teacher to do that. I mean, I have some former students that are, you know, have their own private studio and they're doing some work with, you know, they're kind of putting it together from that standpoint, playing a little bit, teaching a little bit, um, which I think is great, you know, and and I I will say our graduate, you know, my placement rate is uh, really high. Our graduates get jobs you know, for sure. And I think that speaks to the community kind of answers your question a little bit too. I, I mean, and you, you're at a state school, but how strong, because you're in Salt Lake, how strong is the Mormon influence there? We reflect our community sure. for sure. 
we we do have a little bit of uh obviously we uh, probably the studio i couldn't give you the numbers you know exactly you know obviously we have some lds students they go on missions they come right. back successfully uh we've got it kind of got that figured out that's part of our culture part of, part of our you know part of our uh, factors that we deal with that maybe you don't deal with the university of missouri or other people don't some of our students are not lds um and quite frankly it just doesn't come up we okay. don't talk about it you know uh uh we we talk about percussion and and being great people and and you know people's religious beliefs or not or whatever or whatever you know it just doesn't enter the picture um we have a lot of you know we make sure everybody respects everybody and have we make we make sure we have a great tight-knit community but it doesn't really factor in that much to yeah. be honest you were kind of alluding to where the kind of the next question which is that when you do have those students and they do have to go on their mission do they get when they come back are they is there like a little bit of a grace period where it's like okay i know that like you have to start of like get back into the role of college student percussion program now that yeah yeah there, there there's i mean obviously when somebody's been away for two years but i i think there's a a good bit of positive to that i mean i think uh, I think every student should travel abroad and have some of those cultural experiences and they're all obviously on their own. So they're having to work out, you know, some life skills. And, and I, I've had a, a lot of our students say being here at the U for that year, they generally come in for a year, yeah. um, you know, has really helped them with their, with their mission and then vice versa. You know, they come back, they're two years older, they've been on their own. They've had to develop some life skills. They've had to develop some time management skills you know, mom and dad are not paying for, you know, are not there all the time to make sure that they're getting up or taking care of or making their bed or whatever it is that they have to do. And so there is a maturity factor yeah. that uh, I think can be a positive thing. Obviously, every student adjusts differently and, and, and all that too. So it would be unfair to, to kind of generalize that, but uh, you know, we do it well. And, and we've, like I said, we've got a, a good, flow to that and uh, the, the students that are come in and maybe are going out uh, I think our older students that have gone out and come back in do a great job of mentoring that um, I'm not LDS so you know I, I really stay out of that but I think our students do have done a great job of building that connection within themselves and, the, and the, that little community and like I said some of our students don't go on missions we, we have a balance of of that, you know, uh, I would say that we're we have a lot of out of state students as well, and that's growing. A, that's growing uh, a lot, uh, especially if you think about California. I mean, you can come come out of state here at the university for cheaper than you can go in state in California to a Pac-12 school. Right. And so we're getting a lot of influx there. We're getting a lot of people come out here and ski, and it's beautiful. And it's they're like, oh wow, this is a Pac-12 Research One institution. We have some great degrees. Um, the, I think the percussion area is, is garnering more of a, a national, you know, attention. And, and so people come out for all different, different kinds of reasons. So Salt Lake City is growing. I mean, there's a lot of influx of business. So you're getting a lot of, a lot of um, diversity as well. And yet we're still trying to make sure we reflect our community. I think that's important too. Does it appear that a lot of students when they finish, I mean, they could go anywhere, but do, do, do you have a, a fair amount that stick around in the area? I mean, Taylor Keown is graduated, went to Texas mm -hmm. and, um, 
some some students get jobs here, some students get jobs abroad. He's now the one of the percussions for the Air Force Band of the West. Um, so some of them go to grad school, some of them come out and some of them want to be band directors, some of them want to be, you know, Mona Valentine. Her her goal is to is to change uh uh elementary education. It's like go go get it, <laughs> you know, and, and that's her focus. And we make sure that, you know, she's ready to do that artistically and creatively and pedagogically too, from a percussion standpoint. Olivia Torgensen's gonna, she likes to do nonprofit work and, and do some of that arts, uh, you know, kind of education. Uh, so she's gonna use her percussion in a, in a different way. And she's taking some business classes and putting it all together and what you think is really healthy. So. You know, there's not a cookie cutter way. And and I think our, you know, my main goal as a mentor is to make sure that they have an, the doors, they have doors open to them and, and that they can build on that. And they're not going to encounter something that is like something they haven't thought about or at least experienced a little bit. And uh, for instance, every, we have a clinic requirement in the studio. It's like everybody has to do one clinic in the community or, hmm. and it could be a rehearsal. It could be um, something at the Boys and Girls Club. It could be something, you know, you pick it, but somebody's going to do that. So think about all the skills that it takes to do that. Yeah. And so I try to, I try to work, you know, what the students could do possibly when they get out into what we do here at the, at the studio to make sure that they've at least seen that movie once. You know, yeah. they're not going to encounter a situation that they have no idea about or they have zero experience. Of it. They may have, they may have a little bit of experience, but they have at least a starting point or they at least know, you know, something that was so powerful when I was doing my DMA, somebody said something to, I wish I knew, could remember who this was, but somebody said, Mike, you don't have to know everything. You just have to know where to find everything. And I was like, Oh yes, thank you. Yeah. You know, that, that, that was great uh, advice. So I try to take that advice and to, you know, to our studio, they don't have to know everything. They don't have to be an expert at everything, but they've at, at least some ignition to that experience. I hadn't heard of that requirement, but I think that's brilliant to, and I assume that if I'm, if I'm hearing this right, that they have to lead that. Like they can't be someone's under for that. They have to actually lead a clinic and like set it up and get, make the contact and get their stuff there and all that. Yep. And of course, I mean, I help them with that, Yeah, you know, and, and they're not going to contact anybody. And I, I prep our community like, Hey, you might get a call from so-and-so. And I, I kind of generally have an idea of like, so-and-so shouldn't give a clinic at this school. They should do that. You know, yeah. there's a, there's a, there's some facilitating, but you know, absolutely. They've, they've got to do it. Uh, so there's a, there's a lot of maturity that has to happen to, to, to do that. And oh, by the way, it's great skill sets. Yeah. And they, they love it. They appreciate it. And it's, it's, you know, quite frankly, it's advantageous to, to, to me as well. I'm only one person. I can only get out so much. So um, it, it does make those contacts, um, uh, you know, a little bit more frequent with our community as well. So, yeah. yeah. Very cool. All right. Well, let's back up, Mike. So where'd you grow up? I grew up in Vero Beach, Florida, a small town. Do you know Johnny Lee Lane? Yeah. I mean, not well, but yes. Yeah. You know the name. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're from the same hometown, actually. Uh, so it's kind of, it's, uh, we always kid each other. Vero Beach. Remind me, is that East or West? East side? Coast. You know where, uh, do you know where Miami is? Mm-hmm. Okay. So just like two hours up the coast. Okay. Yeah. How close is, wait, that's still not very close to like uh, Cape Canaveral, is it? 
Yeah, it's a, an hour south of Cape Canaveral. Okay. So I have I have seen many a launch in my time, and uh, <laughs> nice. the, night, the night launches are the best. Yeah, yeah, they're the best. <laughs> I um I have a my um, aunt, my mom's sister is is has lived in Cape Canaveral for oh, a long time, and you so. know, <laughs> yeah, I've, and I've seen those night like I remember the one time I didn't even know that it was going on, but a rocket went up at night, and you just see this orange fireball just in the, and it was so loud. <laughs> anyway, it was, that was a very memorable. I remember, uh, uh, being little and one of them flew, uh, was landing. They don't, they normally don't land at Cape. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but for, for whatever reason they, they did and it flew, it, it like, what is it? The, the top, I'm going to really date myself. The Top Gun movie, like, buzzes oh. the, the tower. Yeah, yeah. So, like, buzzes, buzz, yes. <laughs> so the, the shuttle, like, just flew right over Vero, you know, bam. And it, it felt like an earthquake, man. I mean, not that I know what an earthquake feels like. I mean, in Florida, but it was it was pretty powerful. So it'll wake you up, for sure. <laughs> right. <laughs> nice. Now, do you have family members in the arts? I, well, yeah. Somebody asked me a question the other day and he said, how did you get in into the business? And I was like, well, I don't think I had a choice. Uh, <laughs> my parents were band directors. Uh, my dad just retired probably five, six years ago. My mom unfortunately passed away when I was in high school, mm. but they were, they were musicians. And, and I, I was, I grew up around the band and the drum line used to put me in cases and roll me down the steps and, <laughs> and you know, tickle me and beat me up and teach yeah. me a bunch of stuff that, yeah. that was really valuable, <laughs> you know, five stroke roll, you know, yeah. all your rudiments, you know, but maybe some things that weren't, weren't so good, but either too, but you know, it, it was a great, you know, upbringing. And, and yeah, I grew up around the band and, and around that kind of world and uh, was around a lot of music and, was always at rehearsal and went on the trips. In fact, I, you know, the, I went with the marching band to, to the Rose bowl, um, mm. this past, uh, January yeah. and my, uh, 30 years ago to the day, my, my parents were there with the high school band and I was there as a kid, I was a little kid. And, um, so it was kind of cool, you know, to, to re retrace those, that family history and walking their, their same steps, you know, yeah. so, to speak. so yeah, I grew up, Group, uh, it's the family business is what you're saying. The family business. I had no choice and, and I love band directors and, you know, I, I somebody says, Oh, you're going to be a band director. I said, no, I, I, Hey, I lived that life once. And in my second life, I'd like to, you know, do this other thing. And, and yet I, I draw on that experience all the time. Um, what, what my parents did there, they had a great program. Uh, my dad was inducted into the American band masters association, which is a huge honor. And, wow. And was very successful in, in Florida and, and, uh, and not just success like, oh, the band is good and does well, but, you know, the, the community um, just embedded. I mean, the, the, the band is a staple of the community. It is, it is it's like the, my dad will refer to it as the town band. And, you know, you know, you have to, he's, you know, he's older. So, he, you know, he kind of has that, that take on it, but it's, it's kind of true. You know, it's kind of true. Nothing really happens around that community without the band there. And I think that's really powerful when it needs support or when it needs, you know, uh, uh, anything. You know, the community is, 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 is really supportive and they've been a staple of that community for uh, going on 40 years, you know, a long yeah. time. The Vero Beach High School, or was it just like a local high school? And yeah, was Vero it Beach High School. 
Was was he there the whole time? Like it was like his one jo- his main job, and that's that's what his he did. Main job. They came in in 1980, uh-huh. and um, you know, it was nothing really. And uh, they, they built it over the years. And and here's the really cool thing that I find I, I think about this all the time. Uh, they were successful in the 80s. They were, you know, they were successful in the 90s. They were successful in the 2000s. You know, they were successful across multi-generation. They were successful in, in good times and bad times. They were successful in budget surplus and budget cuts, uh, bad administration, good administration. They found, you know, especially my father, they found, uh, and he had great people around him. You know, I think about, you know, my first drum teacher, Bill Mann, was a monster. And I started lessons when I was old enough to walk, you know, six years old and and all of that. And and so they they were smart enough to to surround to continue to evolve, surround themselves with great people, evolve their teaching philosophy, evolve the, you know, all of that. To, the technology as it changed. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and to use those things to to evolve positively. Um, you know, they're, they're playing at Carnegie Hall in the 90s. They're playing at Carnegie Hall. I mean, all those mile marks were, were there throughout that time. Uh, and I think that's really speaks highly to, to, to not, you know, obviously my, not just my parents, but, but the people they had around them. You know, I think about the assistants, you know, uh, that my dad has had, and they all brought something, you know, different to the table. And, and when he had to find a new assistant, for what you know they were moving on they always moved on to greater things uh i won't name them but sure. you know they, they know who they are and and uh and really powerful people um that that contributed a lot but evolved the program and he from a leadership standpoint he allowed them to come in and say okay what do you see what do you think what should we be doing you know tell me i'm wrong mm-hmm. you know and and was malleable enough to to do all that and I think that's something that's, you know, maybe lost a little bit. Um, well, they sounds like they didn't, the horse didn't get too high. <laughs> the, uh, the, they didn't, their habits didn't get too sterilized and, and um, not sterilized, but frozen, I guess. They didn't say, it was I'm, back in my day. No. It was like, it seems like it was just like, all right, well, this is the job now. So this is what we're going to do. This is where we're at, you know. And this is what we're doing. We're always trying to get better. We're always trying to find the edge. We're always trying to do something different. I think the other powerful thing, you know, we're talking pedagogy now a little bit just in this context, which is, yeah. is cool. It's great. Um, pedagogy is pedagogy. You know, it doesn't matter what it is. Right. Uh, it could be golf, you know, pedago- mm-hmm. great pedagogy is great pedagogy. It was student centered. It was individually centered. It was built on relationships between, you know, at every level between every level, no separation. Um, It was creative, it was artistic, you know, so you were able to evolve. And even if it, you know, sometimes you go through growth spurts and growth spurts hurt a little, you know, or you get uncomfortable. You're okay with being uncomfortable. You're okay. And those relationships get you through any hard conversations you might have with your boosters or your administration or your fund, your donors or whatever it is. You know, because you you all know that you have such a rapport and a relationship that you can you're vulnerable enough to have those conversations and then positively 
even even if you don't like the outcome of the conversation, you yeah. you you're you can positively work together to create something that you you do like yeah. and that is evolving. So yeah, I I learned a lot and uh, I use it. I think about it constantly. Um, you know, I think about my grandfather a lot. Both of my grandfathers, they 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 you know they were grow up in the depression. They grow they grew up you know, uh, jumping out of airplanes in World War II and, and didn't have a lot and built their own homes literally out of, out of the land and off the, off the farm and, and, and all those things. So it's like, you know, I think about their level of education and what they were able to do. And it's pretty astounding and they're pretty smart people um, for, for as little, you know, formal education as, as they had. And so, you know, when you're having a hard day, you're like, eh, is it that hard? You right. know, <laughs> is it, is my gig really that hard? <laughs> um, you know, comparatively to some of the things that they had to do uh, to, to scratch out a living. Keeping that perspective is, it can be a challenge, but if you're able to do it, it's extremely helpful. Yeah. Well, we get tunnel vision, you know, we, we get, we get obsessed with what we're doing and I think it's, that's natural, but I, I think seeing the bigger picture and, is important, you know, without being tied to it, boy, we're really going somewhere. We may want to delete. <laughs> we'll see if we want to go here, but okay, okay, go ahead. one of my, one of my students uh, asked me a really powerful question. That I don't have the answer to, uh, which I love when that happens. Um, it's like, how, how do I hold on to my past, my tradition, but not let it keep me back. And, and she was referring to, maybe culture, social percussion. I mean, mm-hmm. you, I'm like, wow, that's a great, that's a great question. I don't have an answer to it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. How do you do that, Mike? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know if we want to go here now. I mean, I can answer that for myself sure. in, in, in certain, you know, in, in, in specific scenarios here, yeah, yeah. but, but, but Olivia has to answer that for, for her in her situation in her life. And, And um, I just sort of sat back and I said, I don't know, Olivia, what do you think? And let her talk and, and, you know, tried to be a good mentor sounding board to her and not, and not, uh, and not be a teacher. And I think I said that, you know, I try to stay away from that, that, that teaching word so much. So be more of a colleague, more of a mentor uh, than a, than a teacher, you know, you really can't teach any, what do you think about this? Mm -hmm. Uh, is it really, is it possible to, and maybe I'm way overthinking this. My music, my music ed faculty colleagues would probably tell me I'm way overthinking this. Uh-huh. But I think it's sort of funny and controversial. So here you go. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, can you teach somebody anything? Can you, can you actually teach somebody something? I don't know. I see, I see what you mean, yeah. I can't, I can't get into your brain. I can't make you think a certain thing. I can't get, yeah, I can't get into your muscles and say, here's what a good role feels like. I mean, you you have to find that for yourself. You have right. to find that information for yourself. So is it possible to actually teach somebody anything? I, I, don't, know. I yeah. don't know. Can you can you facilitate their learning? Yes. Can you create an environment of experiential learning? Absolutely. But yeah. I, I don't know. So I've I don't know. Maybe I'm just being silly, but I well, I think some of this is also if you think of like the maybe the classic version of the teacher who's lecturing, we'll say, yes, where, yes. It's, where it's a very passive experience for the learner. And 
okay, maybe like something, sometimes something got through, but as you're saying, unless, unless they're in a, in a position where they have to do it and have to decide for themselves, then they can open their brain up to it. It's, right. I mean, it's not, it's, it, it's, there's like the blank slate or the statues teaching the statues version versus the very interactive mode of it. So, and, and I think that's exactly what, 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 I mean, I agree totally. And I think that's maybe the context of why I kind of sort of jokingly say, yeah, yeah. you know, um, I try not to be a teacher and that's not really true, but it, to some degree it kind of is, yeah. you know, it, it always helps me to, to um, teach mm-hmm. <laughs> in the, in the way that I want to, you know, which is more experiential and discovery. You made me think of an experience when I was, when I was starting out and teaching college, I was teaching a um, instrumental music ed class and I had talked to a professor, uh, a teacher in the area about a band director in the area about you know, things I should cover because it was the first time I was teaching it. And he's, and I said, you know, should I go into things like, you know, budgets or, you know, things that are, that are very much things that the students will have to do. And he's like, well, I mean, he's like, you could, but this is one of the few times when they, you can actually talk about philosophy and, and concept and that kind of broader like basis to go broader. And he's like, I feel like you should really spend a lot of time with that. And I was like, okay. Like I, we went back to being more about the ph- philosophical part portion of it. But that's like one, one way I, I've, that that's a, what clicked in my mind when you said that. Yeah. Well, it, there's a practicality I think that has to be embedded in the program. I mean, yeah. it's great if you know all the knowledge, but have no actuation of, sure of that knowledge and you walk out, you're like, okay, I have a job. What do I do now? It's like, right. yeah, that's not good. Um, so, but you're right. It, it is one of the only times that they're, that, the, that they will, in, in, in specifically in your situation, that they're going to have the time to sit there and say, okay, let's talk philosophy. I mean, yeah, yeah. on the job, they're going to be, oh, here's the next class. And right. I mean, you know, oh, I got a concert and you're always working towards something. So it, it's that balance. And, you know, I think the, you know, the elephant in the room on that is, is, uh, and I think especially in the arts, people want a degree and they want like, okay, I can do this now. It's like, no, that's a starting point. Right. No, congratulations, you graduated. Now the learning starts. Yeah. And 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 sometimes people don't want to hear that, you yeah. know, and it's a lifetime of of uh, you know, if you're talking music ed, you know, kind of the band director thing, then yeah, I mean, you, you've got to learn the pedagogy of all the instruments. You gotta know that you know, you need the alternate fingering in the third octave of the B flat clarinet for it to be in tune. And, you know, for this, whatever it is, I'm, I'm making that up, of course. Uh, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it's a lifelong journey and, and uh, you got to be willing to, to, to do that. I think the university in many ways is, is uh, you know, is it a trade school or is it a university? I mean, that and we don't have to go there that but that argument bounces back and forth all the time. And the answer is to me, yes, I think it has to be both. Um, uh, But um, some, some people think that in in some, in in some philosophies, the university is just to prepare you to be able to learn. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and that's why all the philosophy and then you decide and then you, Mm -hmm. you know, go forth with whatever philosophy that you're going to go forth with. But yeah. Someone laid this out, I think, at a national conference on percussion pedagogy uh, yeah. thing where they said, like his father, this person's father said, 
He's like, well, you got your undergrad. Now you're ready to start learning. And it was like, and I, and it clicked like immediately. I was like, oh yeah. When I was in, when I was in my master's, I finally was like, oh, I know how to be a student now. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yep. It took this long. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I, Hey, I have those moments now, man. I'm I like, know. I'm like, that's what so-and-so meant by that. You know, it's like, I finally understand, you know, uh, what they meant or, or, or why it was done that, done, pardon me, done that way. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, I, I get it now. It's like, wow, why did that take me 20 years to figure that out? Exactly. <laughs> it was, it was stupid. Yeah. Is there a particular reason that it was percussion? Were you, were, were you, did you have, were your family percussion as well? Or was it just that you were, that was who you gravitated to when you were hanging out with the band? That was who I, uh, yes. <laughs> I think it was, it was more that. Um, I, I, you know, my, my parents, I don't, I won't say they didn't want a, a drummer, but. <laughs> They, they definitely tried to, to give me all the instruments for sure. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I just wasn't having it for whatever reason. And, and then, you know, I, I grew up kind of a, I grew up very old school. I mean, uh, uh, my, my drum, my drum set teacher was like, Hey man, if you can't play one drum, you can't play two. Yeah. So I, I had, I had a pad, you mm-hmm. know, one of those old Billy Gladstone pads that ate your stick and that had no rebound at all so yeah, yeah. It, it forced you to develop some chops and and quite frankly the older i get yeah. i i kind of gone back to some of that stuff mm-hmm. you know it's like you know i i didn't grow up on kevlar heads where you know it like the stick bounced for you you had to work yeah. for that stuff oh yeah yeah i've actually gone back to some of that with my students that you know just don't have a lot of strength yeah yeah um, because uh, and I'll, I'm going to digress here for a second and, and talk about the end of that. I'll, I'll go back to the beginning of the movie, but okay. the end of the movie is like when people ask me what I teach, I was like, I teach hands. Mm-hmm. I teach hands, you know, and, and actually I'm going to, I'll blow that up. Actually what I try to teach is great humans. Yeah. And, I, and, and, and I'm going to actually, you know, tell them myself because I just use the word teach. I try to create an environment where we all develop great humans. Yeah. And great people. And if you develop great people, they'll be good musicians. And if you can develop good musicians that happen to be percussionists, then, you know, you're on your, you're on your way. Right. But within that like percussion bubble, I try to develop great hands. Yeah. And that, and because if you have great hands, if you have great strength, you have a great dexterity, you understand how the motion works, you know, you have great touch, yeah. you know, you can manipulate your touch. Mm-hmm. Um, then you can play anything. You can, you can then teach yourself to play anything. Right. Really. Yeah. And um, given enough time and, and, and patience and all that, obviously that the human element comes into play at that point. So, so anyway, I grew up that way. And it's like, when I could play the essential 13 rudiments and okay, you get a, you get a snare drum you know, and, and it's a crappy one. Okay, cool. When you can play your 13 rudiments there at this tempo, then, you know, we'll give you a floor time or we'll give you a bass drum. And, and yeah. I, over the years, my, my kit was added. And then, and then when I could do something with that kit, and I can't remember the name of the first kit. I mean, it was, it was so junky. It was janky. It was terrible. But wow. my, my parents knew what good stuff was. They just were not going to give it to me <laughs> until I could actually do something. Right. Yeah when I could do something with that, I got a, I got a nice kit, mm-hmm. which I still have to this day. 
I've, I've kept it, you know, nice. um, it's, you know, it's not, it's not like the kids have gotten a lot nicer, obviously, but, but that, that kid is like, so, so special to me that I keep it around and, and use it sometimes. And, uh, at least for lessons, you know, so sit down and play. Yeah. And so, you know, that's how I was kind of brought up. And when I hit like sixth or seventh grade and, and my parents were like, okay, well, if you're going to really do this and you got to be a percussionist and, and, and that was the, that was the term they started using. And they said, you're not going to be a drummer. And, and, uh, they kind of had a negative connotation to that a little bit, um, which I don't agree with, with now. I didn't, I didn't agree with it then, but you know, I was like, okay, cool. And they're like, you got a big Allstate. You got to be an Allstate percussionist. Like, okay, well, what do you got to do to do that? Oh, you got to play the, the xylophone. Okay, well, that's kind of like drum set. It's just like mm-hmm. a lot of toms. Okay, I can do that. And, you know, I love timpani and, and you know, kind of got into that thing. And, you know, always, you know, kind of knew I wanted to be. And I had such great teacher models that mm-hmm. were also great players that I, and I always looked up to the, because they always looked up to the university you know, director of bands and all of those people that were doing that. So I was like, I just, that was my, that's what I knew I wanted to do. And, uh, and then again, we're kind of back to the earlier conversations where I get to do all the things I love to do in one, one spot. Um, but, uh, but really I get, I feel like, and I hope this is my goal, whether I reach it, you know, every day or not is not up to me to decide, but, but um, you know, my goal is to make it, I thought I could make a big difference more of a difference at the university level than any other level, which is why I wanted to be at the university. Level. One of the reasons I wanted to be at the university level. So that's, that's kind of, you know, how I, my path in terms of, you know, pedagogically and, and, uh, and the older I get, sometimes the more I go back to that, to that, you know, that, that, that kind of work, there's a dichotomy, at least here in Utah. I mean, I'd love to hear this from you and in, in your, in all of your, experience in the podcast and in Missouri, but you know, the, the level of percussion is reaching a point that's really high, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, um, really, really high. I mean, students are coming in and playing things that, you know, maybe I didn't play until college in, in, oh, yeah. in, in some ways. Right. Um, but it's actually becoming more specialized too. So I'm, I'm seeing that, yes, you're seeing this great four mallet marimba player, but their snare drumming is right. You know, or the other way around, where the snare drumming is, you know, and then they're playing hybrid rudiments and things like that, mm-hmm. but they're, they they can't find middle C. Right. And so I'm, you know, I'm seeing that uh, a, a bit. Um, any any thoughts on that? I, it, it's, yeah, I think we've seen the same kind of thing. There definitely are players who, I, I was, there's like the other way that, that that shows up is you'll have the good, someone who's a really good concert player for yes. all those instruments. And then they, they've never played drum set. Yes. Like, never in a band. They were never in jazz band. And, and so it's like, that's just a whole different concept. So, so many of my uh, new friends, I call them new friends. Mm-hmm. I've done that for years, by the way. Okay. And, uh, just, just, uh, I'm not trendy. Um, <laughs> yeah. the, uh, <laughs> I think I've probably proven that over the, this interview, but, uh, um, my new friends, some of them are just deathly scared of drum set. Yeah. And I, I've really changed kind of going along with what I said. I teach hands first, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. you know, all my students, I start on Kungas 
It's Ooh. a big target. It's fun to play. Yeah. You're working on the hands. There's no sticks involved. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just about you and your body. We do some early like drum set stick control, nothing crazy, yeah. but just to make sure that we can hold some basic time and we have some coordination skills before we hop into, you know, etudes and all, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it's been a couple, it's been like four or five years since I really, really went hard on that yeah yeah and my students appreciate it oh good you know and and every student here whether they love me or hate me for it they have to do a semester of drum set yeah with, with kelly or me yeah. um every student has to do a semester of timpani mm-hmm. with with me or danny um and in the drum set students every one of them has to do a semester of you know some keyboard and you know at least a semester they don't have to you know right. not going to force anybody to to be quote well-rounded and right. you know and people can have their interest and they can develop their interest but you know there's so many skills that are involved in the drum set just general musicianship skills right that are that are so important that i, I sometimes students come in and you're like you play so well how can you not you know right. <laughs> you're asking them to do some basic coordination things you're like how did you get so good? And the answer is they they skipped like four grades of math. And they, worked, <laughs> they worked on 12th grade math so much that they got good at 12th grade math. Yeah. But but it took them so long to do that because right. they skipped 9th, 10th and 11th. And it's like, OK, let's go back and mm-hmm. let's kind of fill in maybe some of the stop gaps, you know, to, to, to that. And I'll tell you a funny story. Uh, I have two step kids. Mm-hmm. And I just say that because it makes the funny the story funnier because they're my kids, yeah, yeah. you know. So Carson goes into seventh grade. I'm already laughing. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, he goes into seventh grade and sixth grade. Um, they didn't it was elementary school for him, mm-hmm. and we moved. And sixth grade where we moved was was middle school. So we kind of missed a year of middle school. So it's like in the summer and I'm, I'm like Mr. Dad and, you know, and Janelle's working, my wife and, you know, I'm home with the kids and we're having a great time. And, and she's like, Hey, can you take Carson to register for school? I'm like, I'd love to, that'd be fantastic. So like we're getting ready and Carson goes, Hey, I think I want to take percussion. Like what? (laughs) Like you, we've gone all summer you haven't said a word. Like I haven't done anything with you. I haven't started you. You yeah. skipped sixth grade. Like, Oh my gosh. So we go to the band. We go, we go, I'm like, yeah, let's do it, man. And I think I'd like just mowed the grass or something. I was like, had my hat on t-shirt, you know, the whole thing. So we go to middle school and we meet the band director and hi, I'm Mike. I'm Mike, you know, um, we, we like to sign up Carson for, for a band and everything. And, and uh, the band director goes, uh, he says, well, you're, you're going to need sticks. I'm like, no problem. And I didn't tell him who, you know, yeah, yeah, you're fine. Totally incognito. And, um, so and you're like, you're, Oh, Oh, sticks. Okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 Exactly. Let me write that down. <laughs> what kind of sticks? <laughs> tell me more. Okay. <laughs> tell me more, please. Yes. And, uh, so he goes down the list. I'm like, okay, 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 okay. And he gets the bell kit. And I'm like, Oh God you know, okay, bell kit, fine. And he goes, no, really, you know, you know what that, and he starts to go down the rabbit hole of what a bell kit is. Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, 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 no. And Carson starts to laugh (laughs) because Carson's kind of standing over here and the gentleman can't see him. And, you know, I'm like, okay, look, I'm, and I tell him, I'm like, I'm, I'm actually a percussion teacher. I teach at the university. He goes, Oh, what do you teach? I'm like, university of Utah. He's like, Mike Salmon. He goes, he goes, I I ruined it. He goes, Dr. Salmon's 
I didn't, I didn't recognize you. I'm like, yes, that was the point. <laughs> so then, then the conversation flipped, you know, of course. you know, I was like, I was like, okay, don't do this. That was fine. Yeah, <laughs> Take yeah. that off your list, <laughs> you know, but, but we had a really great conversation about Belkin and, and yeah. you know, there's a lot of challenges to beginning percussion, you know, but I, I'll tell you, I started Carson. I didn't, you know, I brought a Jimbe home, something that had a lot of resonance and, mm-hmm. We just played. We kind of improvised. We came up with some cool grooves. I taught him how to write those grooves down. And I tell you what, you know, he just, boom, skyrocketed. And that that right there sold me on that, you know. He played timpani on their concert. I said, you want a lesson? You know, I mean, I learned really quickly teaching your own kid is a bad idea. You know, you tell me how much you want me to be involved right. or whatever. But I go to his concert. He didn't really want me to do much. But I go to the concert. He's playing timpani. I'm like, all right, I'm playing timpani. Sounds good. And he goes, you know what he says to me? He goes, it rings just like the djembe. And I try to get a good sound. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, out of, out of the mouths of babes. You yes, know? Right. <laughs> and uh, so it, that, that really convinced me and it, and it's influenced, you know, obviously what I do here at the university and, and yeah. uh, you know, if you can't, if you can't work with young, like really young people, you, you, you can't teach. Right. I'm a firm believer in that, you know, um, cause they're all about, you know, all kinds, you know, they do all kinds of crazy stuff. You know, you got to wrangle them, you got to entertain them. They got to learn while they're being entertained. And it's this whole balance thing. And it really challenges you, you know, at least for me, it does. So yeah, um, I find it, I find it a great challenge, but yeah, uh, I was a band dad for a while. (laughs) (laughs) So it was awesome. That's, that's great. Awesome. Dr. Sammons? <laughs> I recognize you. Yes. I have a hat on and sunglasses. Yes. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> so, no, it was great. And he and, and uh, they have a great program, and he's gone on to the high school now, and I've, I've been involved a little bit. You know, you don't want to be too involved. You don't want to be overly involved. But, uh, but yeah, it's been, it's been good. It's been really good. So oh, That's wonderful. When you're in high school, aside from the band stuff, um, are you doing anything else? Are you filling out your time with anything, sports, church, student government, yeah. anything that's that's kind of yeah. filling out your schedule as well? Um, I was a, you know, high school band. I mean, I was really involved and uh, doing a lot of playing, just gigging around town. I, I mean, I've been playing a while. You know, when I got to, to high school, I wasn't your, your typical, you know, I had some years, you know, and critical years, like early, you know what I mean? Like, you're developing some skill sets at some at a, at, a, at a young age when you can really, de- you know, really develop them. That's why you see so many, con- you know, how many concert pianists have started and they're three years old, they're sitting down at the piano, sure. you know, that, that kind of thing. Um, so I, I was doing some playing around town. I was actually doing a lot of teaching. I was teaching middle school kids. Oh, wow. Uh, probably as a junior, senior, I was, I had probably 15, 20 kids, in my private studio, it was good money for me yeah. doing something that I love to do. And, and, and I didn't, I didn't think of this way cause you don't, but I was honing the craft, you know, making a lot of mistakes and, Oh, well, that didn't work. And, you know, and all, all, all those things that go on and, and uh, yeah, it's some really good students that some of them have gone on to do some really big things. I won't, you know, I won't name them because it's, it's like thinking people at a concert. It's like, you know, I've tried not to name any names here because it's, it's, it's not who you think it's who you don't think. And you're right. sure to leave somebody out. So, uh, but some of them have gone on to do really 
great things. Some of them have gotten doctorates in percussion and are teaching and or element, great elementary school teachers and, you know, freelancers and all kinds of stuff. And so that that's what I was doing, you know, just doing a lot of that. And um, I will tell you, I and just because you're asking me about my background, one of the coolest things I've ever kind of stumbled into is I, I run a what they uh, what what we what is called the Treasure Coast Percussion Camp in Vero Beach uh, with a great colleague, Brandon Putzky. And uh, Brandon was in the high school uh, band drumline when I was a kid. I grew up with Brandon. We're about 10 years apart. And um, and Brandon was really influential to me as a young player. And, and we've become great friends. And uh, he's a he he was he re, he retired from it, but a killer elementary school teacher mm. in town. I mean, just if you heard his groups, his choir, he had a, a steel band, he had all. I mean, all, I mean, he's just phenomenal teacher. I mean, one of the best facilitators, educators I've ever seen work at any level. Period. And a great musician worked at the high school percussion. You know, Brandon's got a really well-rounded career. We started the camp about eighteen years ago in my hometown. The goal was to to give something to that community that I didn't have when I grew up and uh, to keep me connected to the community. Obviously, I grew up there, you know, family and 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 all of that. And uh, yeah, it's 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 18 years. I can't believe it. But I started that in grad school when I was in uh, a master's student. And, uh, and the, the list of people that have been at that camp is ridiculous. You know, you're like you're thinking Vero Beach, Florida, what little town? Man, the, the the artists that have come through there is a is a is a a list basic, you know, artist, and uh, I'm really I'm really proud of the work we've done there. And there's been some great percussions come out of that uh, camp over the years too. And and not just great percussions, but great people. You know, and that they're they're a lawyer in town. They're one of the big lawyers in town, but they're still connected to music. Mm-hmm. Or they're giving back in some way, or their kids in the band, or their their kids in the orchestra or choir, whatever it is in the arts, mm-hmm. some way. And I think that's the work that's in some can be the most gratifying work. You know, it's not about always putting out great players or, or teachers in, in percussion. That that camp has become you know an integral part of the community as as well. Well, I mean, and you need the fans of the music as well. Who are we going to play I mean, for? Fans of the arts. I mean, it's not just music. I mean, you need yeah. fans of art museums and fans of theater and all that. Who's going to go see it? Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, so, yeah. But, but so, yeah, Vero's, I mean, you're asking about my, a lot about my, uh, my, you know, my path, as you put it. You know, it's, it's, it's played a big role and, and, and has continued to play a big role in all, all parts of my life. Um, you know, multi years. So where do you end up going for undergrad? I went to the University of Florida, Ken Broadway. Yeah. Uh, great musician, really, really great musician. Um, took the drumsticks away from me, which is really funny. And <laughs> did a lot of, you know, we just didn't do a lot of formal out playing in high school. Uh, yeah. We played Yale after the rain in high school. You were like amazing, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it did a lot of two mount play. I mean, you could play every, every ding a two out of the Goldenberg, you know, yeah. um, and, and, and all that, and, you know, all your rags and all that kind of stuff you're really familiar with, but I didn't do a ton of formal playing. And, and he really introduced me to that. And, and that opened up my, my sound and my playing a lot. And, and, and Dr. Broadway was just a, he's still there. Yeah. He's still there. Great musician. Um, yeah. I really owe him a lot. And, and, and I tell you, I learned a lot from uh, uh, the director of bands there, Dr. Dave Waybright on, on just like how to get the right sound. You're in the back of the room and, 
he's got a sound concept and you're like, okay, how do I get that? And uh, you, you learn about conducting gestures and like, oh, wow, I should move how he moves. He's making, mm-hmm. you know, all those connections that he made for me. And, and I had a music, uh, I did a music education undergrad, uh, undergrad degree in education with a performance certificate. And I, I learned a lot, a lot from those two gentlemen. And then I went to University of Arizona with Gary Cook and Norm Weinberg. Um, and they, they taught me a lot. Gary, you know, really, really taught me a lot about residents and how to manipulate residents. And geez, I think I, I spent a whole semester on timpani just playing half notes and eighth notes and trying to make my quarter notes sound different than my eighth notes and, you know, and all of that. And uh, a lot about touch and, and, and all that. Norm, Norm is a, is a thinker, very smart. I, I, you probably know these guys, these, these folks and uh, really challenge you to think like, why are you doing that? You know, like, no, really, why are you doing that? <laughs> and, and you have to defend yourself, you know, almost in a lesson was almost like a defense of your, of your interpretation or, or what, or, or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And uh, there were some great folks there too. You know, I, I think of, I just talked to a great friend of mine, Mike Percelli, he's at WVU mm-hmm. and we were there at Arizona at the, at the same time. And Mike was bringing in Bernard Woma, the late yeah. Bernard Woma and, going to Ghana and doing, and I, I was lucky to be on the, some of those trips and be exposed to, to Bernard. I ran the steel band at Arizona. We went to Trinidad, did a CD, played a PASIC. I mean, it was, the steel band program was, was a big part of my lab to yeah. experiment and, and, you know, dealing with music that's not of your own culture and exposure and exposure to some great artists like Ray Holman and, and uh, Liam Teague and, you know, just that, that come from a different musical tradition, but are, you know, it's excellence, you know, you're yeah. sitting there next to a world-class player, it doesn't matter what they're playing. Um, violin, pan, piano, percussion, it, does, it just doesn't matter. Uh, tabla. Did you, so wait, did you do your, both your grad degrees at Arizona? I did. Okay. Yep. I got done with my master's. I, I almost didn't go on. Um, but, you know, Arizona was such a comprehensive program. I didn't feel I was done. Yeah. And I did a year with Norm and I did a year with Gary. And I was like, I'm, there's Let's still. getting started. Yeah, yeah. totally. I, there, there's still some juice, you know, left. And, um, and in, you know, and like I said, Mike, Mike was there. So I was doing a lot of work there and, and I just felt like, you know, my time wasn't, wasn't done there. Yeah, and, and then I went from there to Clemson, and then okay. and now we've connected the story, yeah. uh, you know, the, the the timeline of that. So yeah, it was a great time. And we'll have more with Mike Salmons on part two next week. So stay tuned. This week's rave. And I literally just got out of this concert a couple of hours ago. Is the Lincoln Center Jazz Orchestra, led by Wynton Marsalis, who just played a concert tonight at the Missouri Theater in Columbia, Missouri. I'm very fortunate that this is the second time I've gotten to see this group. They came to town about a decade ago, and I was able to catch them then. They were amazing then, and they were amazing again for this performance. If you haven't caught them, either live or whenever they might appear on PBS, then it's a must-see. There's so much that sets this group apart, but I'll list a few items. One, Wynton Marsalis himself, an incredible band leader, great conversationalist, so laid back, hilarious, tells great stories, 
and transitions very easily from piece to piece. You can see why he's such an important musical leader and more importantly, a musical pedagogue. Two, the players themselves. Everyone in the group is, of course, outstanding. Not only are they all incredible soloists, but they are fantastic as ensemble performers, knowing when to go forward and pull back and to give their bandmates room to shine. Among the group that I saw the concert with, we were most blown away by the alto sax and lead trumpet solos, along with the drummer who was awesome, I mean, of course. Three, the tunes themselves. All of the pieces showed a great variety, sometimes within each selection. These works ranged from originals to standards, and it closed as a set with a 2020 longer piece called Elaine by a young composer named Josh Evans that recalls the Elaine, Arkansas Massacre of 1919. The concert closed with an encore with Marcellus, his pianist and bassist, playing a jazz standard with unbelievable solos that concluded with the group's second standing ovation. And four, and finally, the ensemble playing itself. Being the second time I've seen this group, I recall being most impressed with their ensemble cohesion. This is by far the tightest group I've ever heard in my entire life. They can play anything at any tempo and volume, anytime. And they'll stop on a dime and change any of those things in an instant. And it's all right up my alley because nothing is more fun for me to watch than precision and perfection being done and having it made to look simple. It's mind-blowing stuff. If you're able to catch the Lincoln Center Jazz Orchestra on their current tour, then you definitely need to do so. So check them out. And that's our show. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and leave a comment and a rating. You can always find every episode and the show notes at the homepage at PeteZambito.com slash Pete's Percussion Podcast, the episodes. The show is also on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, and many other podcast locations. If you're on Instagram and Twitter, find me at Pete Zambito. And if you're on Facebook, like the page Pete's Percussion Podcast. You can find me at any of those places or by email at PeteSperkPod at gmail.com. And I'll catch you next time for part two with Mike Sammons. <laughs>